This is Channel 253. In this episode of Interchangeable White Ladies. There is no male or female in the relationship where like right. a female has to kowtow to what the male wants or all these archetypes. So instead of leaning into the stereotypes, they're creating right. new archetypes. And I think that's the important things about right. writing, right? Interchangeable White Ladies podcast is sponsored by Alaska Airlines. We, we fly, fly Alaska. Alaska. Book your next flight on alaskaair.com. One, two, two. Interchangeable. White Ladies. One, two, two. Interchangeable. White Ladies. Inter- interchangeable. In- in- interchangeable. White Ladies. Welcome to the Interchangeable White Ladies Podcast. I'm Hope. I'm Annie. Today's essential question is why are women, specifically women of color, underrepresented in media and media production, and what can be done to elevate their voices and their experiences? Our guest today is June Ivers. Ivers, right? Yes. Okay. Uh, And we are really excited to welcome her back uh, as a friend of the podcast. Uh, Welcome back. Welcome. Thank you. I'm so excited to be here. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, She's a documentary filmmaker and previously joined us for episode 55, Understanding Gentrification, Displacement, and Mass Incarceration with the incredible Tanya Wilson. June uh, is a Chicago-raised Northwestern graduate, best known for producing the documentary Since I've Been Down, a must-watch film about men and women in Washington prisons and the social justice reforms they are pursuing while incarcerated. So, June, welcome back to the podcast. Is there anything we missed that we should include about you? Um, I I'm, I think I spent a big amount of time in L.A. for 10 years, and so I think— um, That's an important part of your, your journey my, and your my identity. My journey and my yeah. identity and working in music videos and commercials. So okay, cool. That entire process is— a glimpse on why I can't I watch everything. Yeah. And how I can't erase like I, I see every single detail and you understand the motivations behind all Absolutely. those details. I'm glad you included that. I didn't have that in your bio so that I'm glad <laughs> that you included that. So that leads me to ask um, a different question than the first question we planned, and that is, what are you allowed to talk about, like, the wildest or the most interesting music video or commercial that you helped with or created? I mean, it's been so long, so I'm sure— Okay, great. Yeah, I'm sure there's something I can talk about. Yeah, for sure. Um, so what's the—when you think back, you're like, oh, yeah, that moment, I just—it was either crazy or wild, or you just couldn't believe you were doing it. It. I think— um, when I tell people, like, I'll have moments where I'm like, oh, I worked, you know, like, we're for some reason, we were hanging out in our house, and we were talking about Phil Collins, and then we had this huge, like, funny whole thing about, you know, that entire album, like, this, this, this studio album, and, mm-hmm. you know, and then, like, a month later, I was like, oh, I forgot, I was in a Phil Collins music video. <laughs> <laughs> That's awesome. <laughs> That's awesome. And I totally, I mean, like, you eradicate these things in your mind. But sure, it's like, yeah. I'll be like, well, you know, shopping in the grocery store and hearing, like, Justin Timberlake cry me a river. And I'm like, oh, yeah, I worked on that. <laughs> That's and awesome. And I mopped that house because it leaked. Oh, no. What? A multi-million dollar mansion house in um, Malibu leaking. Yeah. And I'm just, like, wiping it with towels and, oh, you know. No. So, <laughs> but it was, it's kind of an incredible um place to be in there and just yeah you know I worked on Jenny on the block with JLo wow. so I worked on these like big you know when I I came into this all this I was telling Annie that um my love into all this came from uh high school musical theater mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I think um and I think as um but I, ha- I think I have to go further further back in the journey and when we talk about the feminist lens or the mm. Um, yep. women of color lens of coming into all this is that um, my parents came from Korea. And mm-hmm. so Korea, yeah. my parent, my mother was born in during the war. So mm-hmm. she, my grandmother walked from North Korea to South Korea with my mother in her womb. And mm-hmm. so because of the power of Hollywood cinema, and when we're going to talk about cinema, we're going to always talk about it like from the, the gatekeeper standpoint mm-hmm. of Hollywood cinema, yep. that my... Mother, you know, she felt like everybody looked like Julie Andrews or Catherine Hepburn or Mm. Spencer Tracy. So when she finally came to the States in the late 60s, she's like, what's with all these gritty real people? Like, I thought they were all like, (laughs) Mm -hmm. you know, Catherine Hepburn, you know, I thought they were all Jimmy Stewart. What's going on here? Um, And so her ideology or her her makeup of um, 
what America is or what the world mm-hmm. is outside of Korea it was definitely um, shaped by Hollywood cinema. Mm. And so we always have to talk about how the even the technology has always created a boundary for people. Mm-hmm. So we, when yeah. you talk about the male gaze mm-hmm. that we talk about in um, at film school, the male gaze is basically who is holding the camera, who is the mm-hmm. author, who is the... And if, if you just talk about just the simple forms of what, um, who is holding the camera, the technology, sometimes, you know, in the 1940s or 1950s when um, Super 8 cameras became more mm. um, prolific in the, for, for economic attainment in regular households, it was the mm-hmm. man who held it. And so you'll always have these like little Super 8 videos of, you know, mom pushing son on the swing or, mm. you know, you'll never see the father in the picture. Yeah. yeah. Right? It's interesting you mentioned that because there's so many pictures of my family when we were kids that are that are my dad's not in the picture mm-hmm. and I that I remember asking him about it like why aren't you ever in the picture with us and he's like why well, take the pictures so that's what I do and I and not even like and not even necessarily in a way that was you think about the male gaze and objectification but just the 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 who is holding the technology who, has the, who is the, holding the power who has the control yeah Right. Yeah. And so I think when you think about the technology and and then fast forward to where we are now, we all have the technology in our hands. Right. Right. Mm. So right now what we're going through is the democratization Mm. of media for all of its good and its bad. You're hearing so many different voices, Mm -hmm. um, which is, you know, in in many ways, it does allow a lot of people who don't have access to because those gatekeepers are gone or there is more. I mean, Issa Rae, right? She was literally a YouTube video. Yeah. And she just, she, and she had a voice. She had a funny voice and people recognized it. And look at her now. She's like producing two or three shows on HBO, you know? That's awesome. That's so cool. And she, and granted that she is um, an educated black woman. Mm -hmm. So her path is a lot easier than other people who Mm -hmm. don't have resources, Mm -hmm. who don't have, you know. But the mere fact that she was able to harness a technology and a voice and to do that and to have such a – and it's a refreshing voice. It's not a voice. Like her show, you know, it falls in that tome of women um, that are exploring their lives in their 20s or 30s, just like, you know, we did in Sex and the City or Girls or Mary Tyler Moore, right? But now we're seeing, you know, a story of – which it's the same thing. It's just, but they're just main black characters, mm-hmm. you know? Yeah. Yeah. And one of the things I love about that show is just how unapologetic and straightforward it is. It's like you're talking about, it's just like, it's just normalizing. And it's just like, this is a common experience. And if you don't understand something or get a reference or understand a phrase, that's on you, the reader, who's like mm-hmm. not in that world um, to go look it up on your own. And mm-hmm. I, I just remember reading something about her talking a little bit about why they chose to do that on purpose for, because they really wanted just to like capture black female, like you said, the, the common experience in that sense. Um, and I just love that ap- unapologetic ness that's part of her story. Because mm-hmm. dating and hooking up sucks. Yeah. <laughs> but it's <Yeah>. awesome. <laughs> yeah. But it's fun. But it's and, and it's part of your growth and development, right? Yeah. And so in that same realm, it's like um, of so we're now seeing the voices of other people come through, which is really, really awesome. I think one of my, um, and especially like at this moment, we are in um, a zeitgeist moment for television. Mm -hmm. And what I have to say about, and so I'm going to, I'm going to come back and talk about um, the three act structure. Mm -hmm. And so in film Mm -hmm. school, I remember a long time ago, we talked about how film school and um, in my writing class, we were talking about the structure of, uh, the three-act structure and how it's inherently based upon the male orgasm, mm. Mm. right? So you have a build-up, the hero takes on the problem, and then, you know, the, the climax, the release, mm-hmm. the, you know, and when it all comes down, and then it's over, right? Mm-hmm. Good but old story arc. <laughs> the whole story arc, literally. And a lot of people— <laughs> Every ex- time I teach that, by the way, story mapping and story arc, I'm like, oh, what is that? Like— Keep it as unsexual as possible. <laughs> I know, but and it's and it's even in, even high school like springboard books and we use in high school yeah. are like are like the climax and you're like mm, teenagers. Yeah, you just, they just in health face. class you're and like, then they walk into your class and they're like climax, huh? <laughs> they're like Hee-hee. yeah, yeah. 
I'm like, turning point, turning point, turning point, turning point. And so that's and that's the whole thing, too. It's that so it's like, you know, whether or not some, you know, what happens after the happy ending? What mm. happens after, you know, sometimes sometimes a story can't be told in one and a half hours. Right. right? And so right. when you think about the form of cinema being um, uh, that you you can take into a tome, whether or not it's a trilogy or whatever. Other people have been doing it for a lot longer than we have. And it's just that we mm-hmm. are Americans. And so we want to commodify and expand the um, the the commodification of that intellectual property and mm-hmm. continuing on. And that's why we have season 20 or something or like we just won't let things die. Right. Mm-hmm. We just won't let what things is, die. Speaking of which, what is a show that when you look back, you're like, this should have died in like season five or three or two? Game of Thrones. Do you have an ex- <laughs> <laughs> Oh, really? It's so what? hard. I know. I know that you guys, I, I was such a fan <laughs> and it's so hard because like the books, it's like at some point in time, it's, it's hard because it's like, wow, you, you know, I read the first book. I'm not a huge um, fantasy, he, but what I, what I, um, love about George R. R. Martin is that when he flips perspectives, he's really developing strong female characters, mm. you know? Mm-hmm. And so, and the arc is there. I mean, look, I mean, look at who's there at the end. It's like all these mm. badass ladies and Jon Snow, right? Right. <laughs> and then what happens? You know? <laughs> so, and at some point in time, I remember discovering um, the show Outlander because one of my friends was like a stars executive or whatever. And, mm-hmm. you know, and it's basically, and I, it was told to me, it's like it's Game of Thrones for women. Okay. <laughs> mm. And so what you end up going through is that, you know, you have this character. She's like a modern woman. She's like a 1940s mm-hmm. World War II nurse. And she gets transpa- transplanted back into like. My mom's a big fan of Outlander. Shout yeah. out, Judy. <laughs> My mother. She, you're, the out. fact that you're talking about this, she's going to be really happy. She's, I thank you. Yeah. I, but the show is like, I mean, so the showrunners, it's the people who did Battlestar Galactica. Mm. But then oh. also, too, what ends up happening is the showrunner, they start, they pick up, they, they set up the first two seasons and they move on because the property has to go on. Mm-hmm. And a lot of the women, what happens is that you start realizing, and I think I started realizing towards the end of Game of Thrones, that, that there were no women writers in the room. Mm. Right. There is no women in the show. So they're not being like, mm, don't you think it's like really crazy that like this is the way that Cersei goes? Like she's been a badass the entire time. Yeah. And yeah. now she's just bad, evil lady. Like mm, she had yeah. so much to her. So yeah. that's what's interesting about. What, and so I started watching, you know, I never really do the behind the scenes or whatever. But with Outlander, you start realizing like they had a, like 50 percent of the episode had women directors. Mm. They had women, like half their staff is women writers. Mm-hmm. And so you start realizing that. And, they, and then, you know, the property is based upon a, on Diana Galbadon's books. So right. they, have, they have something to, to go on to. But, um, I, uh, I, so, but going back, another great show and who's, who's decided she's going to end it, mm-hmm. um, Phoebe Waller-Bridge's Fleabag. Mm, yeah. She's like, two oh. seasons. That's all, that's, all that, that's all that's necessary to tell of that story. Yeah, yeah. You know, people want more, but she's, it's okay. Mm-hmm. And I think we have to accept that as okay. But we've always done that with telenovelas or like in K-dramas. Right. It's like you only have like 18 episodes and you tell this whole story about their this couple and yeah. or not or, you yeah. know, whatever. And, then, uh, and that's okay. You know, I think, um, uh, I think, I think there's a lot of single season properties that are great and it should just be that. And another show, what was that other, um. What was it about the rich ladies in um, Monterey Bay on HBO? That uh, mm. isn't that Little Big Liars. Yeah, Big Little Big Lies. Why did they do season two? <laughs> yeah, I just I, I I was like a part of me was like what so they can bring back Meryl Streep? Like I don't I don't know. <laughs> yeah. Like, I, yeah, I couldn't I couldn't. I haven't actually watched season two, but I was shocked at how much I really enjoyed season one. Mm. Yeah. Just let a good thing go. Yeah. Let it happen. Yeah. True. I thought you might rant about Homeland. Nate and I picked up. We were watching Homeland. Then we stopped because we were like, this is trash. I'm sure the storyline went, went out of control. And then I'm we shocked you haven't mentioned again. Supernatural. What are they? So they're, they're on their last season. That was oh, joke. my God. Is Supernatural still around? Uh-huh. Can you believe that? What season are they? It started they in 2005. I know. This This is their last season. See, what is it? Would it be season 14? 15? I mean, the mere fact that like my babysitters 15. were watching Grey's Anatomy. 15. Yeah, Grey's Anatomy. How's Grey's Anatomy still on? (laughs) 
y'all have better taste than I do. I'm like, let me get that. Let me get that primetime like first ten channels. Okay. <laughs> well, I mean, I think that's the whole thing too. Is that um. And when we talk about gatekeepers, right? You have yeah. like ABC, CBS. Well, and HBO NBC. is way more available than it used to be because you remember back in the day when you had you had cable, you had to buy you have had to cable, buy HBO. and then you have to buy HBO on top, and of it, it was expensive. Yes, and now you can get HBO Go, and it's really affordable. But yeah, I, I mean, there are still some of these shows like this. That, okay, like the CW, for example. I'm gonna go, just go out. And, I'm gonna go ahead and say that I have that I'm a big fan of Riverdale, and I've been watching Nancy Drew mm-hmm. because Nancy Drew. Yes. Come on, any retelling of Nancy Drew is like. Yeah. I'm gonna I'm gonna check it out. Like it, it doesn't mean I'm gonna like it, but I'm gonna check it out. Mm-hmm. Um, Girl Detective, okay. But like, sh- like shows they're way more accessible. You have the SCW app and it's free, right? Mm-hmm. You have to wade through a lot of weird ads, but like the content's free. And so, and I know that that's how they pay for it is through the weird ads. But um, but it's it's just interesting, like what's available mm-hmm. and what's free. Like I I never felt like I. And I still have people give me a hard time about, well, you, you're you a grown-up now. You can afford HBO, right? Because there are a lot of HBO shows that I haven't seen. For that reason, like, I just didn't have access yeah. historically. Mm-hmm. And now I'll that I honest. do, I'm, like, not in the habit of watching them. But. I have a really good friend who has given me her password. Oh, that's <laughs> the <Hey>. best. <laughs> that's the best. That's, that's what the, friends are that's for. Exactly. And my little sister is still on my Netflix account. <laughs> Excellent. <has> so. <laughs> oh, yeah. No, Grey's Anatomy is on season 16. Oh, my God. 350 Too much, episodes. Too die. No. I, and Why? That's, and that's the whole thing. It's like, how much, how much do you need to say about that? Like, what? It's like... You know, the mere fact that when I heard that, like, you know, the whole, like, Charlie Sheen scandal and that Two and a Half Mm. Men was, like, the most watched show. Two and a Half Men? I don't think I've ever seen a full episode of Two and a Half Men. No, I know, but who who watches that? Apparently, a lot of people do. I've seen, like, a five-minute excerpt. (laughs) Like, number one show or whatever. And I was like, what? Like, who... Who? What what is all this Nielsen rating stuff? Like, what? who are these people? Mm -hmm. So, I and I think... um, that's what's cool about what Netflix is doing is that they're letting shows have like a one or two season thing, you know, to the entree. They're they're kind of giving back in certain ways. And I think they're also like purposely I don't know whether or not it's my algorithm or not, but um, you know, you'll see a lot more shows that are not from the United States. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I love that. In yep. Netflix. Right. I was just talking to someone yesterday about um who's a native Spanish speaker, and so we were talking about all the shows in Spanish. Um, and like how a lot of them are from Spain, but then there's a lot, just a lot more stuff coming out of Mexico, or at least that's being acknowledged on Netflix coming out of these places. And it's pretty great. That's awesome. Well, I mean, think about Roma, mm-hmm. Alfonso yep. Cuaron, Inaritu, and that's the whole mm-hmm. thing too. It's like you are having a lot more developed fim- filmmakers from countries that we don't consider to be, you know. Like hubs of cinema, right? Yeah, they're not British. I mean, th- and this is like. This is like <laughs> Call of the Empires, right? This is like right. post-colonial <laughs> work going on here. I mean, the mere, I mean, yeah. the mere fact. I wanted to talk. I saw. Um, uh, so, was it Inara Two? Um, yeah, Inara Two was the Cannes um, Festival Film Jury. Um, Two thousand. This past two thousand nineteen mm. festival, uh, he was a, he was the head of the film jury panel at Cannes, mm. and they unanimously picked. Um, Pong Chun Ho's movie *Parasite*. Oh, I've heard great things the about Pondor. it. Yeah, I played a little hooky to prepare myself for this to watch <laughs> it. Awesome, and it is amazing. I don't know if you guys are familiar with Bong Joon Ho's work, but um, I think the first thing that American audiences saw was *The Host*, and it's basically mm, okay. horror as a genre. It's such oh. a. I mean, I want to talk. There's so much I want to talk about with like Jordan Peele and horror yeah, as a genre. Yeah, horror as a genre is because like horror. As a genre, whether or not from Mary Shelley's Frankenstein to, you know, Bram Stoker's Dracula Mm. to the the creation of zombies is all basically about metaphors for sociological ills, right? Mm -hmm. Right, yep. You know, Night of the Living Dead, um, you know, the whole like Soylent Green, all that stuff are allegories that we can see and digest Mm. in whether or not it's a pulpy form or what genre will tell you these things. Yeah. yeah. And so I think um, Bong Joon-ho's movie really talks about um, classism. It talks yeah. about, um, it, you know, our our current like democratic economic structures and mm-hmm. how we literally keep people at the bottom to to feed mm. it f- feed for scraps at the top. And there is a moment where there's a. North Korea, South Korea moment in the film, mm. and you know, my husband and I argued whether or not that was also a, a turkey, 
turning point in the movie. And yeah. uh, part of me is like, well, you know what? The difference between communist Korea and, you know, democratic South Korea right now is not a whole bunch. You know, there's still there's still incoming inequality. Mm. Right. But at least in North Korea, we acknowledge it as a truth being like, OK, well, these people at the top, they hold all the power and the money and the wealth mm. and everyone else mm. and everyone else is at the bottom scrapping. In a democratic society, we have this illusion that we all have equal stakeholding in it. But really, the, hon the honest truth is we're not that much different. Mm -hmm. And so that's what's this, really... You, I want to highlight what you just said. Like, that is exactly the rants I'm having right now and arguments I'm having with multiple people on Twitter. Exactly what you just said. Keep going. Sorry. I'm just demanding <laughs> you from back here. <laughs> no, I mean, it ain't no difference. I've been to, I've been to Commune. I've been to Cuba. Yeah. I've been to, I've yep. been to China. Um, I haven't been to Russia. But... The difference of it's it's really it's like how do you how do you control the narrative how do you control the power yeah. what what is the drug that you're giving them you know it's like um, you know what is the opium for the masses right mm. yeah and so and how do we wield that power whether or not through mass media through Hollywood through yep. mm -hmm. ABC CBS Fox it could be anything it be anything and the the thing is that the democratization of technology of music of um cinema is taken to the point where we can it can look like tv mm -hmm. it can look mm -hmm. like the news it can smell like the news right. it could be the news but is it the news mm. you know yeah it yeah. could be on youtube and so that's what's so interesting about it's like we really and as educators I'm sure you know this. It's about really breaking down synthesis. It's really about breaking out understanding. It's a you know you can watch certain things, but it's it's understanding to be like, am I being manipulated or am I not? Mm -hmm. And so I think also too, um, and so I wanted to touch base on two other great horror movie genre films that came out this year was Us and also Midsummer. Have I you guys can't stop thinking oh, yes. about Us. I think about it all the time. Isn't it amazing? It's so good. I mean, yeah. Get Out is is a great yeah. film and it's very you know and that was a good palette to just to talk to the mind of Jordan Peele yeah right. but us the textures the layers the depth yeah the creep the creep the <laughs> red I mean the I mean, rabbits I mean the, the symbolism everything it's Tim like, Heidecker <laughs> yeah yeah exactly <laughs> no I mean it's it's amazing to see I mean I mean that the layers and it's in a part and of how it, just the, the way the story unfolds over the entire it's mm. not like this. I don't even know how to describe it. The feeling of you're never done watching it, right? Does that make sense? Yeah. Like, with some horror movies, have like these kind of extreme moments, or like yeah. we're talking about the climax in the story, right? That that, but it this. No, they up the ante. Yeah, the yeah. stakes are so high. The stakes, and, it, and, and even and at the last they get shot, higher and higher and higher. They never, it never stop. You never stop wondering what's going to happen. Like it's, it's just. Yeah, I was on the edge of my seat the whole time. But I didn't well, see. Can we talk about the acting? Like I'm like, you're the same. You're the same person. Like what? How is it the yeah. same? Yeah, that's incredible. I mean, you talk about like talk about yeah, range, oh right? Like, I know, and and to be and the kids. Yeah. Uh. Kids well, are always creepy in horror films. Oh, though. Yeah. I mean, oh, I think it's a oh, yeah. I think that's universal. Kids and clowns. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. Yeah. Most definitely. Um, no, but you might really like Midsummer because okay. it's really about um, uh, undoing patriarchy and like mm. ma patriarchy, matriarchy, yeah. toxicity of male uh, masculine toxicity, and like it. It's just it's it's hallucinatory. It's mm. Um, mm. it's the opposite. I don't know if you guys know the plot line, but these. Mm -mm. Um, Anthropological gra grad students are going to Sweden mm. to study. Mm -hmm. um, one of them happens to be a part of this like small Swedish community, and they every t every one hundred years they have this ceremony, and it's basically a cult, right? Mm. And so they mm -hmm. go in, and the anthropological students are primarily there for this, you know. And that's the whole thing. It's like white academic um, mm. lens of like we're gonna just you know observe. Mm -hmm. And not truly understand, mm -hmm. and then what ends up happening between, and then you know she, and then he has this. One of the guys has this girlfriend <clears throat> who went through a traumatic experience, mm -hmm. and so she's kind of clingy, and he kind of wants to break up with her or not. There, you know, their relationships on the ropes or whatever, and he, she tags along, you know, kind of unwillingly because you know they're thinking that they're gonna. Mm -hmm bone down with all these like hot Swedish chicks, you know, so he's right. just like, sure. <laughs> of, course. <laughs> of course. Yeah. And, you know, 
And then they come into this uh, matriarchal based society and you see what happens. And it's kind yeah. of it's that I mean, I'm, you know, not very often do you want to see the three hour rough cut, the director's cut of the movie. But my, you know, <laughs> there is, apparently there's a three hour cut. And I'm like, I think I'm ready mm-hmm. for that. But it's all in it. Oh, wow. And it happens during this like whole summer solstice moment. So the entire movie happens in daylight. And it's like, but it's really dreamy. Like the way that just the well, they take drug, the- they take you know, like like a cult, Perfect. they take drugs, like all these things happen. So it's, many drugs, I know. So it's it's a very um, so it's really and and that's the whole thing about genre. It's like it's like a great it's a great fantasy trip through our reality, mm-hmm. and to see mm-hmm. it through that lens. So you bring these stories here, and you bring it there, and you go through it all. But um, I also. I mean, there's that's the whole thing, too. It's like right now I feel like there's so many different voices at the moment. And, you know, God, mm. if I was only like 15 years younger. Right. Mm. <laughs> Seriously. So like what the kids are doing with, with everything, they're teenagers, everything. There's like revolutionary. They're like wild, radical revolutionaries with like everything. It's incredible. A TikTok. Yeah. Like TikTok. OK, is, boomer. You know, like yeah. that whole. Oh, yeah. I just I mean, the TikTok, the history, um, the history thread of like it's like it's like a lot of like AP high school students and like college students are making these TikTok videos about U.S. history and world history. Oh, that's awesome. They're incredible. There's this whole thread and they're hilarious. And they're all they're all like peppered with these references like um, to pop culture and hip hop. And like they're amazing. They're amazing. Like I have just been I'm just blown away by just the, the way that people are accessing technology. Like you were talking about the democratization of technology and access. Like it's it's totally changed the way that I teach history. I like mean, the thing about and because the, they can they can question things. I mean, before yeah. it's like we had the you know, we had Howard Zinn's People History of the United States, mm-hmm. right? Right. But it's like, but you're like, damn, that's a big book, you know? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but then, but and that's the whole thing is like the democratization with YouTube and the conversations that people are having. And and mm. I like that you brought it back to hip hop. It's like, you know. Um, there is my husband's a music critic, so we talk about music mm. a lot, and we talk about um, uh, the conver- you know the conversations that people are having. And you know, if you think about um, you know the way Hollywood, it's like if you think about all these these singers now, or mm-hmm. you know, uh, entertainers now, it's like Cardi B. Mm-hmm. Yeah, ten years ago, I mean, that's the whole thing. Is like you know. She, you know, the the polished version of it is J Lo, right? Mm-hmm. Of her, of what mm-hmm. her reiteration is, right? Yeah. Or having someone like Billy, um, Billy Eilish talking about mental illness, or like mm-hmm. her, you know, that she doesn't conform to these norms of what that is. Or yeah. Sam Smith, um, saying that they're non-binary, mm-hmm. right? You know? And bringing that conversation to people to understand that you know they exist, not you know, even though. They present themselves as a he in the world. Mm-hmm. They are. They are. They do not identify as that. Or mm-hmm. you know, um, Halsey. I, I never heard of her until I saw this article about how she talks about being a white presenting half black woman. Mm-hmm. Hmm. You know, and you're yeah. like, damn. Like that's that's yeah. that's yeah. you know that's you need to. She is taking her platform. And she's talking about that, and Absolutely. then and the mere fact yeah. that like. BTS wouldn't exist if it wasn't for YouTube. Mm-hmm. And that yeah. who is into it, right? People from Chile, people right, from right. France, people from, you know, Senegal, yeah. you know, half all of, over the half world. Half of the students I teach are like from all different backgrounds, love BTS. Like I, they're, I they're came, huge. I came yeah. from, I took a, when I was pregnant with my daughter, I took a um, a Korean class because, you know, a college Korean class. Mm-hmm. I was the only Korean person mm. in that class. Because of K-drama, because of K-pop, because of whatever. Mm-hmm. Everyone was like non – there's one man who was half Korean. but And then even like uh, we ha- there was like a six-year-old French lady. She mm. was in it because her, her daughter's boyfriend was Korean. Mm. And mm. she was just interested. Yeah. And she's just, she's just really into linguistics, right? Yeah. There was like this Indian girl in mm-hmm. my class who was in it because she just loves K-drama. Yeah. You know, she's just yeah. devoured it on Netflix. That's awesome. And then, like, this other, like, you know, typical, like, you would have just been like, oh, she's really, she, I think her, like, entree into, like, Asian culture, this, like, white girl, her entree into Asian culture was, like, you know, anime. Yeah. And then, you know, just that, that proliferation of all that stuff and that communication that you have and whether or not because of the internet, 
allows so much accessibility to certain things that people wouldn't have. Mm-hmm. And so when you talk about, you know, genre like juke or footwork, mm-hmm. like that right. that is a product of the internet. Yeah. There were kids on the south side of Chicago hanging out, right. Just put, producing beats and they and they didn't have to have the artifice of having this like beautifully mastered recording or whatever. Mm-hmm. They were just right. outputting what they were feeling mm-hmm. and they were da- and they were taking their own spin on their own experiences. Yeah. And I, I have to say, I like I went to and I went to a tech life show um, before DJ Rashad died, and I was like, this is this is pretty amazing. Mm-hmm. This is pretty amazing mm-hmm. what these kids are doing, and they were taking. And so that's and so when you see that con- conversation, there's this. Um, I think it's like they're like a music, an Asian music group, uh, like a like a, you know, like a. A management group called 88 Rising. Mm-hmm. And so they have like Keith Ape who has a song called Ichima. And it's like literally it's like Korean version of trap and hmm. all this oh. artifice. Like they're just like hanging out in a music. They're just hanging out in a hotel room. And then there's like him rapping and wow. some Japanese guys rapping. And they're like literally talking about killer whales and orcas and just like wearing <laughs> <laughs> and wearing clothes. That amazing. And drinking height and just like you're like, oh yeah. I mean like the and it's and it's pretty and it's there's this whole convers there's this other video, um, Choji, who like this hopscotch video, and it's like you have this like white guy from LA, this um I can't remember if he's like Balinese or um Thai rapper, and then this like black rapper and this hopscotch video is like pretty amazing because they're just all it is just like shot on a DV camera. Like it's That's not amazing. it's not like they even go to an older technology. Like instead of like having like the booty girls dancing, they have these little girls like, you know, five year old kids dancing and yeah. like play like the artifice of like what we know is the artifice of, you know, Cadillacs and Escalades and whatever hip hop culture has brought. They brought even back down to like just hanging out at a grocery store yeah. and checking out. That's awesome. You yeah. know, I, that's fabulous. I was just thinking, I'm so excited to look up half this stuff that you brought up. Right, I know. Um, I am definitely going to make sure that we have the so right links in the stuff. show notes. I, I was like sitting there. I, well, I just I, I was like, I, maybe we should like talk. Maybe we should do like a book report and talk about some certain things oh, yeah. and then yeah. talk about whatever. Because I just feel Absolutely. like. Absolutely. Because like even like I want to talk about like pose. Mm hmm. Like in the whole like triumph of like the Ryan Murphy like enterprise. Yep. Yep. Yeah. Of yeah. having this gay lens, and it's like, but you know, I you know I watch some episodes of Glee, yeah. But I see, mm. I mean, it it is a powerhouse. It is, yeah. American mm. Horror Story. It is a powerhouse, absolutely. And talk about mm-hmm. like a spin on a genre because every season is a new world. Yeah, I think right. now would be a good time to take a really quick break. Yeah. But right when we come back, I want to talk about Yuri on Ice. <laughs> if you haven't seen Yuri on Ice. We're going to take a break. We're going to watch Yuri on Ice during the break, and then we'll talk about it. Yeah, sounds good. (laughs) All right. Okay. Oh, my gosh, Annie. So when's your next vacation? I don't know. It's really hard to plan. There's, like, a me, Angela, baby. It's hard to travel with a baby. So I'm kind of, I don't know, just, like, kind of vacation sober right now. You know what I'm saying? (laughs) Well, you need to get away. Like, make a getaway and get away. And plus, haven't you been building up your Alaska miles? Well, obviously. What self-respecting Seattle-Tacoma area traveler does not have an Alaska mileage number? I have my memorized hashtag true confessions. Really? That's kind of awesome. It is really the best, though. When Even when I don't fly, I can build miles with purchases on my Alaska credit card, which uh, is cool. I like that. Yeah, I love it. We book trips using miles all the time. One year, Nate and I gorged ourselves on barbecue in Kansas City by using our, like, miles and companion fare. Another year, we spent a week in New Orleans. You can just Yeah, who dat, who dat. I learned that you had to shout that everywhere you went. That's awesome. Yeah, this is going to be such a great way for you, your boo, and your baby to get away. Plus, your baggage fee is waived if you use Alaska credit card. That's so rad. You can pack all the diapers you want. I'm going to go check out flights right now. All right. To book your next flight, visit alaskaair.com. We fly Alaska. Well, before we talk about Yuri on Ice and some other awesome stuff, uh, we should give a little plug for our membership program for Channel 253. Uh, Essentially, for about $4 a month or $40 a year, you can become a member of our channel. And that helps support the work that we do in creating awesome podcasts. So go to uh, channel253.com backslash membership to join and look forward to seeing you in the club of Channel 253. 
Not in the club. Not in the club. club. <laughs> like the clubhouse, down. like like it's like a treehouse. With a rope. Yeah. A really cool treehouse. You have to climb the rope ladder to get to Channel 253 Treehouse. All right, June, at the break, you started um, telling us about a whole bunch of stuff that we actually want to talk about on air. So can we shift a little bit to that um, and just think about the role of women we started to talk about specifically and and gender ID kind of we were hitting at at right before the break? My only plug about your ice is just watch it, period. That's it. Gay ice skating. Yes. Anime. That's all. Okay. Is that it? Sorry. That's Andy, all I wanted to plug in. More? I yeah. mean, as if we don't know about gay ice skating. Right. But, <laughs> but it's anime. I know. It's hey animated. Yeah. And I, I was introduced to it by teenagers. I know. They were like, you know what's appropriate for school that we could watch at GSA? I was like, what? And they're like, Yuri on Ice. I was like, all right, let's do it. There's no swearing. There's no nudity. There's no sexy mm, stuff. Perfect. It was great. It was perfect. Oh, thank you. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> Um, no, I think I, I mean I, I think the first layer of visibility, right, is yeah, casting. Let's talk about it. Right? Who do you see on screen? Right. Who do you see on screen? And it's it's always hard, you know. That's why I celebrate Orange is Orange is the New Black, just because right. it's like it's not just about white women's experience in prison, mm-hmm. but black women's right. experience in prison, you know, trans experience in prison. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, and who is there, and why are they there? You know, and what are their complicated layers that have brought them there? And so mm-hmm. they do a really great job mm-hmm. of starting every episode showing a bit of a character who may not be necessarily a main character in the th- in the thread, right. mm-hmm. but being like, why are they there? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, another show that I think is amazing in casting is Pose. I mean, for the longest mm-hmm. time with, um, I can't, what's a trans show that Jill Soloway show? Transparent. Mm-hmm. You know, uh-huh. like the big criticism was that he's, you know, he's, he's, but I mean, it's like, he's going through transition, right? So to they and, and experiencing that and and how does his family experience that? So, um, but also to having these worlds showing up Mm -hmm. and knowing that these are experiences that people are having. I think another show, um, that is really, and I think we have to we as an audience are so literal when we see things on the screen, we need to see it so literally. But right. I think the magic of theater is that you are, as an audience member, you come in and it could be a black box and it could be anyone. And I mm-hmm. think, I, and I always think of like the big tragedy of when we of, um white casting, you know, we, we can we talk about, you know, um, Ghost in a Shell or mm, whatever, right. or we can talk about, I mean, I mean, it, but we have a history of it. Yeah. Right. right. Uh, uh, Mickey Rooney in Breakfast at Tiffany's as sure. like the Chinese guy. Uh, right. Jonathan Price in Miss Saigon as mm-hmm. like the engineer. Yeah. And it's like, it's the, I mean, the thing is like we have this cachet of names and that's a, that's the capitalist nature of, yeah. of entertainment, right? Like we need to have these named people to draw people to this unknown world. But then you have like, you know, to all the boys I loved mm-hmm. on Netflix. Oh my gosh, I love that Oh movie. my God. And she had, the writer had a fight to have an Asian girl in that cast. And the thing is, like, it's so, who cares if yeah, it was a so white well. girl, right? Cares. Yeah. Who cares? It's like, that's the layers that she had in her book. Yeah. Right. And I think so many times it's so easy for us to want to whitewash it mm-hmm. because, yep. and I think we, I think those people who are beyond, who are the gatekeepers mm-hmm. need to understand that changing the property, um, you know, you're, you're literally like twisting people's arms because it's like, who cares? The story will, re- regardless of whether or not you shoot it on an iPhone or you shoot it on mm-hmm. film, mm-hmm. story is always the undeniable truth mm-hmm. that will right. transcend anything. And so it's like, that's what's so cool about Hamilton, right? Yeah. yeah. It's like all these figures that we see in history that are known to be as white people for us. Right. And you see them in the voices of non-white people. Right. Mm-hmm. And it's empowering and it's it's. It's so much more. But then it makes me so sad that, you know, because of price tickets, it's like. You oh, can, yeah. I know. I the, like the even, reach. Yeah. I try. And even with touring shows, like I. It's I have, expensive. It is really expensive. I have a friend who's in the touring cast of the Book of Mormon in, in Europe right now and based out of London. And um, I mean, you know, I was thought, oh, well, when's it coming to Seattle? And I looked into it's coming in May. And it's just, I mean, nosebleeds. You but know, it, you know, basically really, you're sitting in the bathroom watching and, the show on a monitor and it's $92. But in Some London, it's sound it, out there. In London, it's so much cheaper mm-hmm. or a little bit more affordable. Yeah. 
because of social services. Yeah. Right? Mm -hmm. Like you can pay, you don't have to protect your, you know, you don't have to protect your um, cast and crew with union. And that's the whole thing. It's like unions, right? So you want to give your cast and crew members a living wage. Right. And that's the conflict I have is that I want to pay artists who are doing the work. Right. And that's that. But it is sometimes so prohibitively expensive. Yeah. Like I, I went, we went to see Fun Home when I was in Seattle a couple of years ago. And that was that show was incredible. And it was just like just kind of just doing it like, OK, it's going to be really expensive. Yeah. We just got to go. You're just going to bite the bullet. I yeah. want to support this art. Yeah. But I mean, and the yeah. thing is, too, it's like there's a lot of homegrown talent. Like Sarah Porklob, mm-hmm. you know, like her work, she is transformative as a theater artist yeah. in Seattle at hmm. the moment. I mean, when you see her shows, I'm just like blown away by her talent. She writes, she directs, she acts, she sings yeah. amazingly. Like she amazing. has She has so much depth. And I don't know how she does yeah. it as a single, as a, as a single woman like i mean as a one as like one person, one person. Yeah. Not, not as a single woman but yeah. as like as a as a person right like how do you wake up every day with all that energy and 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 to do all that stuff yeah. and i think um and that's you know we were talking off air about as i got i had the fortunate opportunity of seeing um uh harry potter the cursed child on mm, broadway yeah. because one of my friends from high school is in the cast so i got like a very very seriously discounted ticket it is two shows. I, I mm-hmm. think the retail value is like $400 a seat. Wow. Whew. So when you have to see part one and part two, so it's like 800 <laughs> It's like something crazy like that. I was like, it's a commitment. It's just, like, just like a sell your car. <laughs> I know. You know? I, it's a car pay. I, mean, I don't so, need a, I don't need a, oh, my car is probably worth $800. I'm just going to ring the shame bell just a little bit for that because, yeah, eight, oh go. my gosh, $800. Holy macaroni. So my friend was in the cast. So I got oh, okay. it. I got it. You got a discount? I got it discounted, what? but it That's was rad. still, it was still like, <laughs> I mean, but the mere fact that I had to know someone who was in the cast. Right. Yeah, right, know right. somebody who knows somebody. So um, so they had the original London cast um, on stage and perform it. And, you know, her, the controversy is that Hermione Granger, Noma, I can't, I'll butcher her name, Dumaswemi, mm-hmm. Noma Dumaswemi, I don't remember. But um, mm-hmm. I'll spell it for you, D-U-M-E-Z-W-E-N-I, mm-hmm. amazing. And she played Hermione in, and this is all about Hermione... Ron and Harry's children mm. and um, well, as Ginny, they're adults, as adults. And then, yeah, they're raising. Their oh, kids. interesting. And so yeah. it's um, a cool story. Yeah. I read the book. Yeah, I yeah. Seen and them. so um, he and so his classic middle child, um, or is it, yeah, he's a middle, middle child. child. Yeah, yeah. Um, Albus Potter, right? Sever Albus Severus. Albus Severus Potter is not in Gryffindor at the Sorting Hat, but he is in um, Slytherin, mm-hmm. and his BFF is um, Draco Malfoy's son. And so he goes oh. through this whole, like, identity crisis of, you know, what it is to be a w- great wizard and to be on his own and all this whole things. And um, uh, anyways, so Noma is, she's Hermione, and she's the head of Ministry of Magic, and she's a black woman on stage. You know, mm-hmm. and that's the yeah. whole thing too. Is that in the book, as Annie said, that J.K. Rowling never, never alluded to her race. Nope. Right. No, I don't think she mentions. I mean, there are a couple of characters that she explicitly mentions their skin tone, but really, it's like um, Snape was like, like super pasty. Like it wasn't like you don't get like it's not a description of race. It's like a description of him being like a crazy half snake monster. Yeah. Right. Like he looked, he had skin like scales or something. Do you like, remember when um, um in Hunger Games when the movie came out, people were mad that the second character I forget her name right now. Rue. Yeah. Um, was a young um, no. black girl. No one Rue needs to be black, upset about that. Right? She's black in the book. Like <laughs> get over it. She's literally right. black in the book. Like I just reread. I just like, reread oh, that trilogy that because so I was are very mad like, about. Mm. I got I got real fumed about that because I just as a like enjoyer of like young adult dystopian fiction, I just reread the Hunger Games trilogy. Mm-hmm. Rue's black. Mm. Everybody, mm-hmm. just we should scan. Can we just scan that page and then make that yeah. the, the cover of our yeah? And um, if anybody asks, our podcast <laughs> just, episode, just te- just idea. send them the picture. Well, and also like, Ariel that? last year, what in the springtime last year, people were getting yeah. pissed about Ariel being black or black Ariel, and it's like she's a mermaid. It's well, she fake. is a mermaid. Yeah. Like what 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 race is yeah what mer- and and also too they're they're transport. I mean that's the whole thing is the music has a yeah. Caribbean nature. Yeah. Right. right. Like well, and uh, the, when the under fifth, the sea, when the fifth Ave, yeah, that's a great point. Yeah, everyone forgets that. Yeah, when the fifth Ave, um, they cast an Asian Ariel. Did yeah, the Asian Ariel in the fifth Ave show, um, Diane Huey, and she 
or Diana Huey, and she mm-hmm. was amazing. She was incredible. Yeah. But, like, you know, we have this preconceived, and people get pissed about it. It's like, really? And the Fifth Avenue Annie wasn't Tacoma mm-hmm. girl. Oh, yeah. 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 You know? And yeah. they just put her on the in the 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 iconic orange wig, but, you know, that's mm-hmm. it, you know? Yeah. Mm-hmm. And so when you're talking about, like, they were the best person for the role. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Right. I think we need to start so, ta- talking about that. You started yeah. it. You start talking about layers of visibility, like who's in front of us. What were some of the other kind of elements of that? Um, the you, I think, the essence of storytelling comes from the voice of the writer. Who is the writer, mm-hmm. right? Where are they coming from? Because they are setting the template. Like you know, I mean, let, let's look look at the time that we're at right now. We're we're rebooting right. everything because we have no sense of originality, mm. right? Mm-hmm. Everything has been re- name it like. Thundercats, Powerpuff yeah. Girls, um, like everything because we have no Terminator. Terminator. Just saw the new Terminator. <laughs> Again. And Star Wars. Like, what are we doing here? I mean, like Marvel. I mean, like everything's been done and everything has been mm. done in a certain context. And so we're going to, we're going to, we're just going to bring it back again. So how are we going to do that and how can we change it? Right. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Because, you know, um, and I think we need to talk about who's in the writer's room. And I think, um, Mindy Kaling's show mm-hmm. movie uh, right. Late Night was it mm-hmm. called Late Night or Last Night? I can't remember. Last um, so, I, don't I don't remember. We'll look it up. So I'm I watched right that, <laughs> I watched that movie and it's it really talks about who's in the writer's room. You know, it's right, like a right. male dominated a white male dominated room, and she brings up the questions, these questions, and she doesn't want to be. It's not about call out culture. Call out culture. It's not about mm. you know. It's it's about being on the forefront of things and to. And to discuss, like, well, we're dying as a TV show because we we refuse to change. Mm. You know, we refuse yeah. to listen to outside of our, ourselves. We're so mm. stubborn in that way. And so it's right. – and I, I think that's really awesome for her to kind of, like, draw upon her own experiences with The Office. And, you know, like, literally I remember right, reading yeah. an article about how when she was trying to get credit for the PGA, she literally had to get, like, letters of recommendations from other producers to validate her experience mm. as a producer and a writer on The Office. And mm-hmm. no other person had to do that. Yeah. Yeah, that's so stupid. You know? You're like, really? Like, she had she had to go through – Unnecessary hurdles just to do that. And now look mm-hmm. at her now, PGA. Right. Seriously. <laughs> Seriously. Now look at her now. She's so there's always kind of like, which, you know, um, I think, and so, and then directors, I think um, women in the director's chair is really important. And it's, it's, and it's really awesome to live in Seattle where you have a lot of women who are forefronting the um, creative cinema scene here, mm-hmm. like with Lynn Shelton and Megan Griffiths mm-hmm. of, bringing those voices that may and what is independent cinema now right you know right. like now people don't even want you know i remember john waters and steven soderbergh everybody doesn't want to make independent movies anymore because it's too hard it's too hard to get the financing yeah. it's too hard and these are white men right yeah. it's right. too hard to get it done so how are we going to do it how are we going to do it and how are we going to do it in a way that we can support other voices because people don't want to invest in that because there's no return on it, right? Yeah. And so we have to think about that, not just in cinema, cinema, but also like VC capitalism, startup structures. Yeah. You know, our races in the House, Senate, and presidential, you know, like in local elections. Right. Who are those people, right? I'm, right. I'm always, mm-hmm. I always like cognitively, I don't, I, even if I don't know who they are, I'm like, mm, that is not a white person's name, so I'm going to vote for them. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'm like I don't know about this. We're super. Well, I'm actually super lucky in in living where I do, like kind of North Auburn, South Kent, because it's really a really diverse area, and we have folks running for office all the time who aren't white, and it's it's awesome. It's like you have a choice in who you vote for, and I oftentimes like if it comes down to it, and if it's like it's between two folks who seem to have like similar qualifications or something, I always always pick the person of color. I always pick the woman because it's like mm-hmm. that's just that's just it's it's it, changing the conversation about like who right. is included in those conversations we have this i mean in kent and auburn both school boards are have women of color on them and like how many school boards have women of color on them mm-hmm. right seattle right now has a has one native native american indigenous person on their on the school board in seattle but how many indigenous people are on school boards like yeah there's mm-hmm. not and like how do you open those opportunities it's by saying yes to people yes i want you to do that job i want to hear you i want to hear your voice yeah, yeah. supporting them 
and you know what and whether or not and as long as you identify as long as you have some sort of calling to other you know yeah and I think that's really important. So it's like when you have that lens and, and, you know, that's the whole thing. It's like gay cinema was always like in regulated to a point of just like, mm. oh, that's gay. You know, that's gay cinema. Like, the, right. like what? how do you validate the relation? You know, how? what is the um, – and we were talking briefly about um, um, romance novels in, yeah. the gay, in the gay world. And so there's this – author I listened to this podcast Damon Swade and he wrote and he has um a percentage of male like an almost an equal percentage of male and female readers because mm, he quote unquote right. writes like a dude yeah and um but what's awesome about it what people really are you know who's the top who's the bottom who yeah. is the there is no male or female in the relationship where like right. a female has to kowtow to what the male wants or all these archetypes so instead of leaning into the stereotypes they're creating right. new archetypes. And I think that's the important things about right. writing, right? Like Absolutely. I was reading something about Kim, Kim's convenience. Like don't we, the stereotypes are already there. So mm -hmm. how do we challenge the stereotypes? Right. Yeah. Yeah. And there's some. There's oh my just gosh, the, I love that show. The, yeah. And the, well, <laughs> the fact that like Kim's convenience also does this like family drama in a way that is um, really tender and really real, right? That it's not just relying only on um, – and these tropes about um, education or about attainment, like, you know, financial attainment or about, you know, business ownership that we see so much like, I don't know, that it, it – the fact that, like, the fact that there's so many also actual Asian Ameri – well, they're Asian Canadians because um, it's a Canadian yeah, it's show. Canadian but show. Right. On a show, period. Like, the yep. fact that it's, like, why did it take – why is it taking so long? And, I mean, you see other – obviously, fresh off the boat, but, like – there are other, you know, shows that have Margaret Cho, Margaret Cho, yeah, that mm -hmm. have Asian casts. Um, but it's just like, why? I don't know. How do you? But and that's and I think that's like the yeah. important thing about the Asian American diaspora, right? So right. it's like always me by maybe Ali Wong fought. You know, she she distinctly wrote that all her male romantic leads were Asian. Yeah. Or of Asian descent, right. like Keanu yeah. Reeves, right? And so, right. and that's what's so important about seeing Randall Park's character is that he is a hip hop loving loser who lives with his dad, you know, and yet he is still credible as he's still credible as a love interest because yeah. he can offer things that none of these other men can offer. Right. Right. So for flipping on patriarchy, if we're flipping on, you know, these stereotypes of what we have. Yeah. Right. And that's why it's important. Like there is an independent film, I think Justin Cho made, you know, decades ago called Better Luck Tomorrow. And I remember Roger Ebert saying like the importance of that is that they were like straight A SAT students, but they were Asian kids. Yeah. But they were getting into trouble. Yeah. And it's important to yeah. that all kids, no matter who they are, where they are, they're yeah. going to be teenagers. Right. Right. Absolutely. All kids, all all people, whoever they are, they're going to fall in love. Right. Right. When they are confronted with a mass murderer, a psychopathic person, people are going <laughs> to. They're going to defend themselves. They're going right. to defend themselves. Right. No matter where they come from, and right. but but it's those conscious choices and those decisions that we make yeah. that is what makes character development, and that's what makes yeah. us, through the lens of empathy, relate mm -hmm. to them, and that's why yeah. it's so important to see these people on, on, and not be like, oh well, they're gonna die, you know. Right. Like, I think character, it's like there is yeah. this like little, it's like it is important to have fully. It, that's what I think is like, going back to Phoebe Waller Bridge. What's great about Fleabag is that she is not a likable character. Mm -hmm. She's not a good person by any means, but she's complex. Right. Because mm -hmm. women are complex. Yeah. Right, right. We're not virgins. So, we're not whores. We're not mothers. Yeah. We're more than that. Yeah. Anyways. I was thinking about that stereotype when you were talking about Game of Thrones at the beginning of the episode, um, just like how in the end, and it makes sense that if it's all men, like just kind of getting lazy with their writing in terms of putting women back in those ridiculous roles mm -hmm. um, that that Game of Thrones actually fought to, <laughs> to change. And then, yeah. I mean, when, 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 what's her name? What's, um, when the night, when she like falls yeah, in Brianna a bed, Toth. You, uh, you're really, yeah. When Brianna, I was so disappointed. I was like, I was like screaming at the screen. Mm -hmm. I was like, oh, yeah. really? Yeah. Really? Yeah, me too. I was, <laughs> yep. <laughs> Oh man! I Since I am such an expert in Game of Thrones, um, that's sarcasm because I'm not. Um, <laughs> I actually can I suggest that we pivot to our our last segment? Okay. 
do your fudging homework. Oh, Interchangeable. White ladies. All right. There's been a lot of homework on this episode, and I'm really excited about getting the links um, and some follow-up with that. And I feel like tons of homework in terms of what I want to watch and coming back and chatting about um, what stood out and so on. So uh, homework, what do y'all got? Well, I have I have two that are related. So my first one is um, Elle Magazine. This was about a month ago, released their um, – list of 2019 women in Hollywood power list uh, and six out of the 12 finalists are women of color and they don't have they don't like narrow it down further than that so I say finalists but it's like they recognize 12 women and six are women of color uh, mm-hmm. and I think it's important that um, that's being that a magazine with that kind of reach like L is um, online presence and you know print presence is is putting women of color and I, when I say women of color I mean genuinely it's it's black women and Asian women on this on the list not um, it's not limited right um, because oftentimes we use you know, we should recognize we use women of color you know interchangeably with black women and it's not just black women on the list yeah um, but that it's just go check it out they're doing amazing things um, there are, are also six white women on the list and so you know just challenging our ideas of who um, who's represented who has power and why um, people's last names matter in Hollywood. So, you know, you see some women who get ahead and then they also have these these connections. And, you know, of course, media is all about networking and connections, but who who can we promote to get more screen time and more visibility um, in media? Not just in Hollywood, but that's just one place to think about it. Um, the other thing is check out Women and Hollywood. It's a organization that um, – has a lot of resources about like they have statistics about women working in media, but they also have. Uh, so if you're looking for like actual research, um, but they also have uh, great resources in like blog format about what women of co- women of color, what women in generally are doing in Hollywood and in media to represent their voices and their stories. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's yeah. good. I want to challenge listeners. Um, we were talking about Netflix earlier on or like whatever streaming service, like start looking up things and then your algorithm will kick in. Um, right. There's tons of amazing Korean films. There's tons of amazing Filipino films. There's tons of amazing, like we mentioned earlier, Spanish, um, as the dominant language. So whether it's coming mm-hmm. out of Spain or Mexico, wherever it is, and just start watching stuff that's out of your comfort zone. Just try it out. Enjoy it. Enjoy it. And just see what you find. Yeah. Um, I have, so many different <laughs> shows that I wanted to mention. Yeah, and not. run through um, them. <laughs> no, but I, well, I'll talk first In over one minute. Basically, with Annie's <laughs> thing with Free the Project, uh, there's this group called Free the Project, and it's um, based in the commercial world called Free the Bid. So, in the bid pro- bidding process, when we're trying mm. to get a commercial made, yeah, you'd always narrow an agency would narrow it down to the top three, and so the top three mm. were always always men. Mm. Most likely, right? Oh yeah. So free the bid was all about agencies sh- signing on to talk to include at least one woman in the top three mm. to have that conversation, and so now that has transpired into that five hundred one c three into this platform called Free the Project. Mm. So I think mm. it just went online, and so it's also about cre- giving creators voices. So you know all those um, future filmmakers that are identify as other. I think you should definitely look that up. I also want there's one show that we didn't mention today that I kind of really want to talk about it's called harlots on hulu mm, okay and it's Ooh. about have you seen that no it, but I, I totally saw like it passing and i was like that could be really good or really terrible i okay. don't know so what's really interesting is that the dialogue that we have of of prostitutes in 18th century england right mm-hmm. and the power and role of women but not only do they include you know you know hetero women the lesbian women and also black women to the conversation and whether or not they were freed or whether or not they were formerly enslaved. Mm. And and you never see that in that context yeah. that often. Yeah, that's really interesting. So I was like, I was like, this is really and and also like the Guardian and, described it as obscenely enjoyable. I know so it's pretty. I'll I, be checking it out. <laughs> I have to say, I mean, because like you know, you have this, you have shows that already have a lot of ex- visibility, like Glow yeah. and you know whatever. But I think what the, what's really interesting is like bringing in um, these compete and and also how women, you know the competition layer of like why we why do we why do we cut each other down right and it's right. it's so it's like it's exposing a lot of that and you know a lot of trauma a lot of truths but also like a, it, this is their way of exhibiting power that they yeah. could at that point in time in history right and the other show too is um korean show that if on netflix kingdom if you mm. like cross genre mm-hmm. films it is imperial korea 
meets a Western meets a zombie movie. Okay. Like TV it's show. It's totally on my my list. It is so badass. That's awesome. It is so good. And you're just like, you're like, whoa, like I can't, like how are we getting, but that's, that's where we are now. Yeah. Hollywood has transcend. Mm. We have transcend Hollywood, and yeah. now we are a global entity. So how can we carry these conversations? And so we are doing. People have it. Yeah, you know, Inaratu like those those Alfonso Cuarón, Inaratu like they're a film. They're fabulous filmmakers around the world for the longest time, and mm. we need to start giving them. And then another show that they picked up, um, Atlantique's uh, first Senegalese women um, director. Just it's on Netflix now. Um, it was um, it. She also got top jury. She got a top prize at Cannes too, mm. and she's the first female black director. Wow! To wow, get that's, um, that's awesome. African that's so cool. director. Yeah. Oh, okay. Nice. Anyways, that's rad. That's great. Thank you for the These all are the amazing suggestions. Thank you so much for yeah, them. we'll make sure to include them in the show notes, and we'll be queuing up a lot of stuff on our accounts tonight <laughs> June thank you so much for joining us today we really appreciate it thank and you looking forward to having you back again to talk more about film know, and media representation and there's it just there's so much there's so much we barely scratched the surface yep. so I know yeah let's awesome. make a plan let's make a plan of course all right all thank right thank you June thank you thank you bye, bye. Interchangeable White Ladies Podcast is sponsored by Alaska Airlines. We We fly fly Alaska! Book your next flight on alaskaair.com. Normally this time of year, Hope and I would be getting a lot of gross things that are pumpkin spice flavor and eating them. (laughs) I know. But that actually isn't gross. That's like magical. It's it's healthy. It's like artisanal, (laughs) healthy (laughs) vegan scone. The Interchangeable White Ladies Podcast is part of the Channel 253 Network. Check out our other shows. Nerd Farmer. Citizen Tacoma, Crossing Division, Flounder's B-Team, We Art Tacoma, and What Say You? This is Channel 253.